Well, we are glad you are here with us this morning. If you wouldn't mind me taking a drink of water. I have a, uh, I believe I made this confession before. If not publicly, I've made this confession before to you um, here. I admit it. I do not play well with others. At least when it's uh, in, in context of board games. I'm a, I'm a recovering competitive soul. Um, I don't like losing. I really don't like losing when you have no control over the fact that you, you're going to lose. Have you ever played a kid's board game? There's no rhythm, no rhyme. I think it's the sole intent of a kid's board game is to teach kids that you fail sometimes, that there's some things you're just going to lose at. Um, in particular, one that came to mind as I was studying the scriptures this week is shoots and ladders. There's no reason, there's no way you can aim and strategize how to win at shoots and ladders unless you play with loaded dice. I mean, it's ups, it's downs, it's everywhere in between. I mean, you can be just rocking and rolling and, and, and killing it, and you're about to achieve victory against that five-year-old nephew. And all of a sudden you roll, and you land on that chute, and you're at the bottom of the bowl. I mean, you're just down, all the way down, and can, can I get an amen? I mean, we've all been there. Uh, the thing is, today's story, as I said, reminds me of playing that game. There's some ups and downs in life and in relationships. I, we're continuing in 1 Samuel today, and I invite you to turn to chapter 18. Uh, you wouldn't think you'd be able to see this, but uh, there's a lot going on in this passage. In, in chapter 18, it really begins at the end of 17. Uh, we, we come in, into an interaction of Jonathan, David, and Saul. And, and I will give you some context as I studied, found out that there's a passage at the end of chapter 17 to the very beginning about verse 5 of chapter 18 that is actually a, a most, most scholars will tell you it's a section that kind of the, the scriptural writers kind of added in. Because um, it, otherwise it doesn't quite make sense. It's kind of a back and forth and but we're going to look at all of these different things that are going on with shoots and ladders um, between the, the lives of David, Saul, and his jo son, Jonathan. And how relationships that involve love and jealousy and fear play out. Uh, it, it, they, those things all, in how we have an effect on how we relate to others. Whether we draw closer or we move farther away. They also have to do with how we relate to God. Uh, and how God can use us in the midst of those relationships as a result. And so as we head into this passage in, in chapter 18. What we find is David, as we talked about last week, has conquered Goliath. The Israelites have vanquished at least at this point they've run into town you know as the philistines fled they followed they defeated them and goliath the the champion of the philistines is dead and david is an instant hero i mean songs and, and stories are being told of this young man as he conquers 
and wins. And in the, it's in the immediate afterglow of this tremendous victory that we enter into the story and we see Jonathan and Saul, I mean Jonathan and Saul reacting with David and interacting with David. And there's some things we can learn of this. And, and first of all, we, we're going to look at Jonathan. Uh, what we see is that love can help make you seek unity with others. The interesting thing about this in, in this understanding is we look at verse 1. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul. So David has come in off the battlefield. And if you're reading the story, it's, it's kind of a gruesome thing. He's sitting there holding the head of Goliath as he talks with Saul. And Saul says, you know, I, I'm going to keep you on. We're going to keep you home. You're going to be in my palace for, from now on. You're not going to go back to your family. And it says, after the, David had finished talking to Saul... Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as his self. And we, we love to focus in on that, and there's a good reason for focusing on this. But don't miss this, that David's meteoric, meteoric rise of fame and, and power and all this different stuff that's going on also means that Jonathan is going down. It's Jonathan's demise as David rises in some ways because Jonathan is the crown prince of Israel as Saul is the first king and Jonathan is his first son. Jonathan's next in line. He's about 30 years older by historians' uh, story of looking at this of David. So, so here's this young punk that just won this victory and and Saul is you know about 60 plus and and Jonathan's in his 30s and and here Jonathan is his own military victor as well he's faced the Philistines on his own when the it's if you look into chapters 13 and 14 we see this story and yet Jonathan looks at David the new champion. And he expresses love by beginning and making this covenant with David. Not based on what Jonathan had to gain out of it. This isn't a political play, but more out of an understanding of what he had to give. The normal protocol for, for this kind of situation, if you looked at the world and you still look at it, it's take the threat out. But instead, he, he loves him as himself. Back in chapters 13 and 14, we see uh, Jonathan. It, it, but yet, here we see the beginnings of this relationship. And Jonathan and David, are, it says, are kindred spirits. Because David, it, Jonathan is, is impressed with David's faith in how he went up against Goliath. He understood it. He had shown a similar faith when he led an attack on the Philistines when nobody else other than Saul and Jonathan had a weapon. He took on an army because he had faith in God. And yet also that love will help you put others yourself. Verses 2-4 through four, as, as we see Saul doesn't let David go home. He retains him. 
And now we see Jonathan beginning to make this covenant with David. Uh, And we don't know what the content is of that covenant. It doesn't say. But what what does say of some and gives us some hearing of it is is all of a sudden Jonathan takes off the royal robe and gives it to David along with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and the belt. These clothes and weapons represented his symbolic position as the heir to the throne. In, in essence, by Jonathan doing this, he's symbolically transferring his royal rights to David. He's giving all his prerogatives, chief, chief of which is the legitimate claim to the throne, to David. This is no less of an act than, than understanding that he is abdicating his right to be the next king. If anybody had the right to be jealous of David, it was Jonathan. But yet, he seems to understand early on in this relationship that David would be the next king, and it's fine with him because he loves David as himself. So instead of giving in to jealousy, he puts David first. And that's what love does. It chooses to put the other person first. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And as followers of God, we are called to honor others before ourselves. It's not that enough that you just don't mind others get some attention, that they, that they can get some honor, but it's that we actually seek to honor others actively. We want them to receive, you know, more of you, less of me, understanding. And I'll admit that that's not an easy thing to do. But God doesn't call us to do easy things. True love calls us to put others before ourselves because love is the ladder that moves us upwards into our relationships with God and others. It moves us upward on this board game of life. But that's a different game in and of itself. But there's another side to this game of shoots and ladders. It's not just ladders, it's also shoots. Shoots move us downward. They, they deteriorate relationships. Verses 5 through 11, we move from Jonathan's love for David quickly into a story of Saul's relationship with David, which is, is, is in direct contrast to Jonathan's. One person put it that bitterness or jealousy is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. There's a lot of problems that develop when we live into an understanding that jealousy is ruling the roost. There are problems that we can't ignore 
And our passage really highlights three of them today. First of all, the jealousy prevents us from taking pleasure in other people's successes. You look at verse 5. After the victory of Goliath, over Goliath, David is popular with all the people. He is a national hero. David so successful that Saul even gives him a rank, a higher rank in the army. Here's this young kid. And, and all of a sudden, he is elevated up in, in the ranks. And this pleases everybody. We, we, we already know it pleases Jonathan because Jonathan loved David as himself. But it also says that it pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. We need to remember all these people, especially these officers in the army, they're older, they have more experience, they've kind of been working their way up, and all of a sudden David is equal or higher than most of them. But yet they're happy with it. But notice who's not mentioned in being happy with it. Saul. It doesn't say Saul was pleased. It just says Saul elevated him in the rank. It's kind of what he needed to do, and he knew that. He, 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 he's jealous, he, and jealousy prevents us from taking uh, pleasure in other people's successes. It says if he promotes him through gritted teeth. In fact, James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16 says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. You look into verses 6 through 9 in, in chapter 18, and here, here the men are returning from battle. The women are, are coming out to meet them. And they meet Saul. They're singing and dancing and playing instruments. and It's a big parade. All the celebrations going on. And they declare, Saul has slain thousands. And Saul's like, yeah. That's okay. But then they continue. And David, tens of thousands. And Saul in his heart, allows the bitterness and jealousy to, to take over. And he gets angry. How dare they say, I killed thousands and he killed tens of thousands. And jealousy not only prevents him from taking pleasure in other people's success, it also robs him and us of the joy in our own success. As king, Saul has a ton at stake. If they lose the battle, his country is done. His leadership is done. He, he only has things to gain by Goliath having been defeated. And the Philistines being robbed of that victory. Instead of being happy about it, he gripes. He mumbles under his breath. What more can he get but the kingdom? The proper response to that answer, hey Saul, it's not your kingdom, it's God's. God put you here. 
And this is exactly what God told Samuel when the people were pleading for a king. He says, you're not going to like it because they're going to start doing all these things. And in the first person we see in the kingdom of Saul, we see all these things start to happen. And, and Saul needs a reminder, but Saul, like Jonathan, is beginning to understand that David is the one whom God has already chosen to replace him. And while Jonathan rejoices, Saul gets jealous and angry. And in his jealousy, he can't find any joy in, even in the success of battle. Theodore Roosevelt once said, comparison is the thief of joy. Because it's hard to count your own blessings when you're busy counting the, the, the victories and the success of others. God wants you to take joy in what He sees and is doing in your life without you feeling like you have to compare against others. There's only one kingdom. It's God's kingdom. How can we be jealous when others are enjoying blessing of that kingdom? When, when someone else is advancing in God's kingdom, we shouldn't be feeling jealousy. We should be saying, all right, way to go, God. But the next progression is that we see jealousy will make you strike out at others. Verses 10 through 11, the next day. I mean, the next day. The day after they've returned from battle, victory over the Philistines is still being talked about and sung and it's on everybody's mind and in their hearts and they're rejoicing. And yet here we find Saul in one of his moods. And David is playing the harp trying to soothe his soul as he did before. And this evil spirit comes forcibly upon Saul and instead of finding relief, he chucks a spear at David, trying to pin him to a wall. And David gets away. What, what happens and what we see is that jealousy starts on the inside, but it never stays there. Jealousy will always find a way to work itself out in, into how we live. It, you may not have a spear in your hand that you're chucking at people, but you may have daggers in your eyes. You may not throw a physical weapon, but we tend to strike out in different ways. And so Saul's jealousy leads to a fear of David. And fear continues to be a major factor that we see in our life whether it's the fear of being left out the fear of missing of the other person gets the attention fear of other person getting the credit or honor fear of being dismissed discounted overlooked also leads to fear and fear will do a lot of different things for one thing it will keep you from seeing god at work in others as we look at verses 12 through 14 it's interesting that that Saul is the one throwing spears, and yet he's the one who's afraid. Perhaps the fact that David eluded him twice as he's done this, uh, Saul should understand that David 
is who God has in mind for next king. Saul's afraid. He, he's going to lose everything because the Lord is with David and, and has left Saul in the spirit. And, and so what we find is Saul keeps now, instead of throwing spears, he tries a different tactic to take care of David. He starts promoting him. He starts sending him out on battles and, and different things. And what we find is that as he gives David higher assignments in the army, hoping that David will get killed in battle, but David instead finds success in everything that he does because God is with him. Which again brings Saul in, his, in the kingdom of Israel more glory. So Saul should be happy about this, but he's trying to take David out. And if you think about it, this is kind of ironic. Saul's doing to David what David does to Uriah more successfully. Saul starts sending him out on these missions. David starts winning victories. And so while Saul is trying to get David killed, he ends up giving David the military experience that David needed to be king. To unify Israel. So everything Saul does works against himself and helps David because God is involved. And God, David's all about honoring God and honoring in, in how he lives out his life. And everything so God is doing in, in this great work in David's life and Saul doesn't get to enjoy any of it because he's caught up in this jealousy and fear of David. And so sadly, that fear, when we give into it, will keep us from loving others as we should. You look at verses 15 and 16. Saul should have loved David for all that he was doing as he leads Saul's men in these campaigns and he brings Saul victory after victory. The rest of Israel loved David, but not Saul. Saul's afraid. And fear keeps you away from enjoying other people and loving them. Romans 13 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow men has fulfilled the law. Love is this debt that we all have. It's, we continually owe to one another. Because we are loved by God. And we have an obligation as, as recipients of God's love to pass that love on to others. That, that we understand we can't let our fears and our jealousies and all these things go on in our life and, and stop us from living the way that God has called us to do. That He's called us as, as recipients of that love to share that love, to be beacons of that love to be distributors of that love we receive it so that we can give it not in jealousy and in political ways well you didn't rub my back so I'm not gonna rub yours that's not God's way first John 418 says there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Jealousy leads to fear, and fear will keep you from seeing God at work in others. 
and will keep you from loving others as you should. So as we wrap it up this morning, as we look at this passage and we see Jonathan's love for David in contrast with Saul's jealousy and fear of David, it illustrates us a very simple truth that I should have, I'll admit I should have learned early on playing stupid board games. That love will bring you closer to people while jealousy and fear will drive you apart. As believers in Christ, Jesus has done, and we understand this, more for us than we could ever do for ourselves. And our constant calling is to seek Him. And in seeking Christ, we seek love and we avoid jealousy and fear. Because love will bless you. It will bless you with, with close friendships and relationships. And jealousy only does one thing. It divides. Jealousy breaks down what God has set up to be successful. It will isolate you and just make you miserable. Don't miss out on what God is doing in and through others because Jesus died not only to save us from our sins, but to bring us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. There is only one kingdom. The kingdom of God. And we are all in this together. You can't love someone if you're jealous of them or afraid that God was going to use them instead of you. And if you can't love someone, what we find is that you'll put up barriers from God using you as well. Never forget that our overruling commission came from Christ. As He re reiterated that love that we are called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because there are no greater commandments than these. Heavenly Father, help us this morning. Help us to look into our lives as we look at this story and to understand where fear and jealousy have played parts in our relationships. Where it's broken down issues and, 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 and placed a barrier from loving one another. Whether it be with our family, or friends, co-workers. God, may we understand and constantly remember that there's only one kingdom. It's your heavenly kingdom. And that you will come back to restore full ownership of that kingdom. That at, at the cry of the of the horn, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord.
may we live into that reality even today. As we live out lives of love that are not based on what what others might get, but only in what you've already given. For your love and your sacrifice because of that love, we say thank you. May we live it out today, tomorrow, and every day as we share your love for one another. In your name we pray. Amen. Go in peace. You are dismissed.